All right, here we go. On Sunday morning in Las Vegas, I'm Brian Feldman, and this is Out of Line. We are here live every Sunday morning at 8 on Fox Sports Radio, 98.9 FM and 1340 AM, flagship of the Vegas Golden Knights and sister station of Raiders Nation Radio. After over two and a half years, check it out, we are back in the Fox Sports Residential Bancorp studio here at the Lotus Broadcasting Las Vegas headquarters. Joining me on the show is social media director Spencer The Wiz Ostrovsky. Or not. Or not. Do, uh, well, I thought, did, did we play it or no? We did play it. I didn't hear it. Oh, I didn't hear it either. Okay. Well, it was there. We, it was there. Uh, I was going to say, if you're listening for the first time, you heard right. Uh, the Wiz has his own theme music. We didn't hear it, but you all did. And saying he earned it might be the understatement of the century. Also, a regular part of the show uh, right here is producer Chris Magnum. Chapman Mags is also serves as the locker room reporter for Vegas Golden Knights Radio Network and the UNLV pre pregame show host on our other sister station, ESPN Radio Las Vegas. Out of Line is also streaming on the LV Sports Network, and you can watch the show on Facebook Live and YouTube. The page is called um, Out of Line. That's O-U-T-T-A-L-I-N-E. Follow the show on Instagram and Twitter at Out of Line Fox LV. And since we are live, your calls and questions are welcome. The Fox Sports Residential Bank Corp. Studio line is 702-876-1340. And uh, What's on Tap is brought to you by title sponsor, Residential Bank Corp. Whether purchasing a new home or refinancing the home you already own, Residential Bank Corp. is the company to turn to for all your home financing needs. Residential Bank Corp. Funding America one neighborhood at a time. Call 702-964-5720 for details and to get information on all of the home financing options available in the state of Nevada. On Tap, the Vegas Golden Knights have dropped two in a row at home. Yesterday, UNLV beat the school, as Magnum would say, from up north to put a wrap on their season. Or did they? We'll let you know about that and what I'm talking about in a few minutes. With last night's win, the running Rebels have now won their first seven games. A house of cards reality, we'll talk about that. The biggest rivalry in college football happened yesterday. No, it was not UNLV Reno, uh, but it was all about big plays and a huge game and a swapping of positions. We'll talk about that as well. And it's week 12 in the NFL, and the Raiders will try to make it two in a row when they play at Seattle this afternoon. We'll hear from Golden Knights' Bruce Cassidy, Riley Smith, Alex Petrangelo, and the Rebels' Marcus Arroyo and quarterback Harrison Bailey. And don't place your football bets until after you've heard today's pick and parlay from the scooper, who was perfect last week, both with his pick of the week and his parlay. That's what's on tap if you are looking to buy a home or refinance the home you currently own. Choose a company you can trust, Residential Bank Corp. Funding America one neighborhood at a time. Call 702-964-5720 for details on all of your home financing options available in the state of Nevada. Guys, I can't believe I am sitting here, man. I'm not going to say that I almost got lost coming to the station, but what I did do, Mags, is I um, I used my GPS just to make sure I was taking the shortest route, because it's been a while. There's always like four different routes that I've taken to get here, but um, uh, two and a half years, man, you got to make sure that you're, the old route's still the fastest route. Yeah, 
Yeah, with the, with the way they do road construction here, a road that's here today may not be here tomorrow. So, uh, you know, I mean, unfortunately, the the guys who who do all that stuff, they don't really care about the people who have to use those roads every day. So I get it. I get it. Things change. Uh, they do, and um, and and one road. The the minute they fix construction on run road, they usually start it on the neighboring road. You know that's what's funny? Less- one time I had to take a detour. On the detour. You believe that? Only in Las Vegas. <laughs> Only in Las Vegas, seriously. But, uh, hey, man, in all seriousness, it is so cool to be back in studio. I mean, Mags, I see you all the time, but it's not the same as when we get to chop it up and we're all sitting here in the same room. And there's something about the studio, man. The studio's here in Las Vegas. They've been here for so long. It's iconic, man. The Fox Sports, ESPN, Raiders Nation Radio. You got comp across the hall. It's a pretty cool setup, and I've always enjoyed coming in, man. Yeah, what's, what's funny is you're here... Today, and you're going to be on the next two Sundays. Yeah, the next two Sundays. Well, next Sunday, we'll talk about that a little bit later. Chris Wynn's going to be sitting in for me in the next two weeks. Hopefully Um, not giving out betting advice. No no betting. Well, betting advice, he does. You just bet the other way. way. It's real simple. I mean, (laughs) uh, another good friend of mine, Brian Spiro, makes a living betting uh, betting the other way. But um, in all seriousness, I'm really looking forward to Chris. He does a great job. And next Sunday, I won't be joining at all. But the following Sunday, I will from a mysterious location. I'm not going to tell you where, but it's where I'll be for the next week and a half. And it'll, uh, I'll be there, and we'll, uh, we'll, I'll at least join the show for a little while at that point in time. But it is good to be back. Good to have Spencer in studio. Good. We all we all uh, joined forces last night at uh, the UNLV football game. I should say yesterday afternoon. Then last night it was decision time. It was either go say go go play, go see uh, the Pacific Rim, as I call them, play play UNLV at the Thomas and yeah, Mack well, Center. Life, Life Pacific. Life Pacific what, what, yeah. what, I, I feel like that's a bunch of insurance brokers. Yeah, you know, yeah. like they're they're all. Together together in some small campus on well, uh, I will tell you this Brea but- California and uh I hope, they, on, I hope they enjoyed their uh, their bus trip home. Based on the score, I think they were a bunch of insurance brokers, Mags. They just yeah, put on yeah. basketball uniforms. And then there was also the Vegas Golden Knights. Uh, uh, they had lost the night before to Seattle, something that just never happens to the Knights. And then, of course, last night you figured um, they would rebound from that game. They really didn't. And last night, as far as I'm concerned, um, it was one of the worst games I've seen in a long time. When I say that, I, we're going to correct that in a second when we get to Nightcap. But it was one of the worst games I've seen in a long time, still not even remotely discouraged. I love Bruce Cassidy. I love what this team's doing, and I think we are in for a treat this season and for the the, the near future, anyways, with the Vegas Golden Knights. And since we're since we're already heading down that road, go ahead and hit it, Spence. Hockey players, as you know, are warriors. They don't give up. They come to play every game. It's time for Nightcap, a cup full of the Vegas Golden Knights. From highlights to interviews to special events, the puck starts here. Well, the puck uh, started a little bit earlier on in uh, September, late September, early October, when the regular season got underway, and um, the Vegas Golden Knights have had just a tremendous early run, best record in the Western Conference, third best record in the NHL, and if it wasn't for some super hot teams in the East, uh, they would be right there with the best record, of course, uh, you know, Boston playing some tremendous hockey, um, and and they have been from the get-go, Bruce Cassidy's old team, and really, how about the teams 
from the East Coast, man. Mags' New Jersey Devils have been on an absolute run. They finally ended their winning streak after, I think, winning 11 straight games. 13. 13. And then now you've got the Islanders, the hottest team in the NHL. They've only won four in a row, but they're right up there. 30 points, Mags. Uh, the team's from New York, boating well. Yeah. New York and New Jersey. Devils Devils win 13 in a row. They lose, and then they started, they've just won two straight. Four. So they've won 15 of their last 16, which is... Uh, Listen, when, when, when you've uh, been been watching this team the last couple of years, you, you kind of felt like there was a point where they were all going to just – all that young talent was going to start to gel. Uh, they have some veterans on the team. Uh, you know, the big question was goaltending, and it, it hasn't really seemed to cost them yet. I, I still wish they would have been able to get Johnny Goudreau because they'd be on another level entirely if they were able to get him. But, uh, yeah, Brian, I mean, look, New Jersey's playing well. It's a long season, but you got you to – the, the key is banking those points – this way, if you have a little bit of a slip or a slide, you, you, you still have those points don't go away, you know. So it, it, it's it's important to have well, that, that 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 those points in the bank. That's that's the thing, and we've we've heard it, and it's not cliche ish, but you've heard Bruce Cassidy talk about it. How important it is to get off to a start like this. The one thing you don't want to be doing in the National Hockey League is playing catch up. Yes, it is. Yeah. It is just of even though you look and you say, "Well, there's 82 games." I understand that, but when you start falling 10, 12, 13 points back, it is really hard to make up ground in the National Hockey League on these teams. There's only so many playoff spots available, and you really do want one of those upper spots. Home ice advantage, it's funny because, you know, I think of all the sports that I played, Chris, and hockey's the one sport that I can say, and I got to play in front of some pretty large crowds because luckily in Michigan, when I'm playing uh, basically summer league hockey, there were three NHL players on my team. So Bob Probert was playing with us, which was really cool. Darren McCarty played with us a little bit, and Eddie Belfour, former goalie for the Chicago Blackhawks, played with us, but he played up. They wouldn't let him play in the net in the summer league, (laughs) and still, he was the third best player on the team playing up, but the point is, we played in some large crowds, nothing like you would have at T-Mobile or anything like that, obviously, but the point is, I couldn't hear anybody. When I'm on the ice, you just don't, it's not like baseball, you hear the crowd. Football, you hear the crowd. Basketball, you definitely hear the crowd. For some reason in hockey, I don't know what it is. Now, maybe in T-Mobile, if I was down there, but when you're playing, it takes so much adrenaline, and you're going 20 miles an hour on your feet, you're just so focused on the game itself that you really don't hear the crowd, but I still see it pay dividends in the National League, especially towards the postseason. When it gets almost, you know, the, the decibels reach ungodly levels, it's got to pay dividends for the players. So home ice does help out, and I do think getting yourself in a position to have home ice in the first, maybe even the second series in the Stanley Cup playoffs, I think it's huge. Well, yeah, I mean, home ice is, is definitely huge. I mean, I, I, I'll make the case that, had that game seven against San Jose been in Vegas, you know, the infamous not a major penalty. Oh, still sick. If that game was in Vegas, I don't think that call even gets made. I, I honestly think, Chris, about that when I think back to now. I still think Cody Eakin's in therapy over that whole thing. I well, mean, that well, poor guy, guy the, yeah, that poor yeah. guy did nothing wrong, and people blamed him for the loss of that season and the loss of that series. Yeah. And the guy did nothing wrong. The bottom line is Joe Pavelski, man, put out an act. And he, he well, had a little he, screw. I mean, he, he, it was not that he put out an act. <laughs> he definitely accentuated it a bit. And, you know, there was no way that penalty should have been called. We're not going to go back a few years. 
years ago, but that could have literally changed a portion of the history of the Vegas Golden Knights to this point in time. It would have definitely more than likely gotten them to the second round of the playoffs at least that year, and who knows what would have gone on I from I still that don't know point. if they would have beaten St. Louis. Probably not, but you know what? The second round would have been pretty nice yeah. considering the way that the, the way everything's transpired at this point. But Chris, they lose last night, two games in a row now. You know, Vancouver, I think, had a little bit of salt in them from the game up in Vancouver where the Vegas Golden Knights kind of came back and stole that one. One of the most exciting third periods, I've got to say, that I have seen the Golden Knights ever play. Just that a was weird, just a weird third period. It was, but so much action. I mean, every if you put it this way, you didn't want to take a leak during the third period because no, you were going to no. miss a goal. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that's the way it was. And then, you know, they come back home. Everyone's like excited. They have this extended road trip with a little bit of home home flavoring in between. Win five straight games in the road. The team's rolling. They come home. And I just think, Chris, it's kind of like you could see it yesterday. I texted you and Brian Shapiro during the game and I said, you know, if you ever want an example of when you hear an NHL team is skating in wet cement, that first and especially the second period, you saw it with the Vegas Golden Knights. They just looked like they were missing a gear. And I just think it's so much hockey in such a short period of time. I don't want to make excuses because everybody has a schedule similar to this, but it does catch up with you. And Bruce Cassidy alluded that to that earlier in the season, saying, hey, we're doing really good now, and we're going to need this because there are going to be lulls. And this is one of them. Yeah, well, I mean, the, the, I think the thing is you play three games in four nights. The only night you don't play a game is Thanksgiving night. Um, and, and that might be a distraction in and of itself, being home for Thanksgiving. You know, there, there, there might be something to that, uh, especially when you look at the, the records of the home teams following Thanksgiving, that maybe maybe it's better to be on the road during the holiday. But, uh, look, the last night, the first few minutes of that game, the Golden Knights are actually, they, they looked pretty decent. But the problem was the penalty kill really let them down. You took some really bad penalties. I thought Nick Wall with a really yeah. uncharacteristic... A uh, high stick put Vancouver on the power play. They score on their first shot twice on on the power play. First and, two and, power plays, first yeah, two goals. Yeah. And uh, it was almost, three of five overall in the power play, Max. And the thing is, you knew coming in, you saw in the last game, the one thing Vancouver does well, they're, they're really, really, really good, good on the teams. power play. Yeah. And power play especially, they're like third or fourth in the league. They may have even moved up to second after last night. Well, you, you, you look at their, you, their, you, their The key skill. is you don't want to be shorthanded against them. Yeah, their skill players will make you pay guys like yep. Brock Besser. Uh, we got to see Kuzmenko for the first yeah. time last night. Um, you know, the, 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 I don't even think Paul Colson was out there. I mean, he, he, and he's a really good player for them as well. Uh, Quinn Hughes has had a little bit of a, of a tough time getting going, but defensively that's where, where their issues are. I mean, the, 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 the big problem is last night, Vancouver played Spencer Martin, not Spencer, the Wiz in net, although it, they could have played Spencer, the Wiz in net last night and they still probably would have won the game. Yeah. Uh, but you know, I, I, I think the disappointing aspect of it for me, Brian is. You, you had a poor effort against Seattle. Uh, Seattle really outplayed you. They, 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 they. You know what? They, they, they were just the better team on Friday night. They were. They deserve that that W. And you come back and and you kind of just get lethargic after after you you know. And I asked Bruce Cassidy about the the. Is it as simple as as just getting a kill on special teams to kind of stop the bleeding a little bit? And you know his answer w- w- was was pretty interesting, but. You know, I, I think had they been able to get a, a kill, you know, one of the things he said was sometimes he, uh, it was along the lines of, well, sometimes you got to take some pride in what the hell you're doing out there. And I, I think it was alluded to the fact that, you know what, there were, there were moments where 
they they, they kind of just looked like they were no, they, they were well, they, they were not really interested like in I said, playing like lethargic they, yeah. you you saw them being lethargic last night and there were a couple times especially on one goal i felt so bad for logan thompson they hung him out to dry yeah I mean, and, and, and you just can't do that to much, this kid. much like and 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 i see it on social media and it's like you know people who don't understand the game they think goalies are supposed to save everything like they like I, yeah, I they, saw, don't, they don't see it being that big of a net. It's not like a yeah, soccer net. Yeah, you I, think that they should be able to make I every saw, save. I saw people crushing Aiden Hill on Friday night, and it's like you go back and look at that. What goal is Aiden Hill saving? Like, yeah, maybe maybe you can say, hey, the guy the guy needs to come up with a big save, but none of those goal, goals are Aiden Hill's fault. Last night, it's hard to look at Logan Thompson and oh say and say, oh, Logan Thompson was was the reason the Golden Knights got their ass kicked. No. No, it's not as simple as the goalie. And, and I think the problem is fans got so used to seeing a Hall of Fame goalie, a first ballot Hall of Fame goalie, year one, two, and, and three, that when they have a, a good but not Hall of Fame goalie in net, I mean, I, I saw Robin Leonard get crushed. Yeah, I've now seen Aiden Hill get crushed. I've, I've seen Loren Brossois get crushed. Malcolm Subban had zero chance because it wasn't Marc-Andre Fleury. Look, the reality of the situation is Hall of Fame goaltenders don't grow on trees. If, if if it was as easy as just finding a Hall of Fame goaltender, like you look around the league today, how many Hall of Fame goalies are there? There's probably not more than four or five in the league right now. Yep. So the, the the idea that that every goalie is supposed to save every shot because Marc-Andre Fleury was, was phenomenal and, and sometimes would make those saves he wasn't supposed to, it's ridiculous. You watch the game Friday, you watch the game last night, yeah, maybe there were one or two goals that, that Logan Thompson or Aiden Hill let in that maybe they shouldn't have. But a lot of times when guys have the center of the ice all to themselves and there's no one in front of them, you're talking about the best, most skilled hockey players on the planet. Nine times out of ten, you give a guy the open ice in front of the net, he's scoring. Yeah, I'm even, sorry. Even, it's even, just the way it is. Even two-on-ones. I mean, can you imagine yeah. being a goaltender and seeing Connor McDavid and Leon Dreisaitl yeah. break you, away you in a two-on-one? You know there is gonna, no chance. You're not going yeah. to save the puck. You, you, that's one of those where, where you, you you kiss your rosary bead and you, yeah. you say a prayer. and You, you hope just that, hope they hit a post. Yeah. yeah I hope mean, that somehow yeah. that, that you choose the right direction because a two-on-one, it, 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 especially when you have the, those highly skilled players, it's it's, it's so almost impossible. hard. It's so it hard. Is. Like the goalie in hockey, it's the most difficult position in the sport. It is. And it's I, I would say it's probably the most thankless position in the sport because unless you go out and you get a shutout, people are looking at you and like, hey, I can't believe you let in that goal. No, and the worst thing is when you do get a shutout or you have two or three good games, you then they expect th- that every single yeah, night. Yeah. And the bottom line is performances over a month period of time, like Jonathan Quick has had a couple of times in the postseason, yeah. is very, very well, rare. The, the problem is, like, you have you have a situation where the, the earlier in the season, the defense in front of the net was really good. Like, they, the, these teams weren't getting these good looks in front of the net. Well, now there's been breakdowns defensively, and, you know, may, guys sometimes get... get you know they 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 make mistakes and players aren't where they're supposed to be. Sometimes the instincts are wrong, and you you, you don't have that now. You have guys in, in finding ways to get into the the middle of the ice. Guys who are getting in the good shooting lanes. 
You didn't have that the first 10, 15 games of the no, season. No, everyone's comfortable now, Chris, and this, everyone's settled into the season. The Golden Knights will get back on, and I think this four-game road trip is going to be really good for them. I think just getting out of here, getting refocused, all getting together, eating together, you know, spending more time together, I think sometimes that writes the ship. Uh, Chris had a chance to talk to Riley Smith after the game, uh, one of the guys in the scrum, and uh, Spencer, I think we have that one where uh, a couple of questions to Riley, and, uh, well, and Chris made a point in the locker room, one of the things about Riley Smith that's great, and it, you know you have to have this relationship with him, and Chris has been, you know, Riley Smith is one of the inaugural misfits, and, you know, it's funny because if you don't know Riley Smith and you're a member of the media, um, you know him a little bit better, but as even as a member of the media that doesn't talk to him often, you would think he's a very introverted, quiet guy. There's a reason he wears an A and is an alternate. It's because in the locker room, he is not just a leader on the ice. He is also a vocal leader, and he's the kind of guy because he doesn't talk a ton. When he has something to say, it's impactful and everybody listens. And Chris talked to him after the game and asked him a couple of questions. And here you go. Yeah, and, and, and I think that's the key is, you know, creating offense is something we need to see them do more. One of the things I saw lacking last night, it's such an important thing, and uh, it's hockey terminology, but you need to know it. You know, it's play in, in, in between the blue lines, which is which is the n- neutral ice. And, uh, and um, you know, they really have got to play better in 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 the neutral in the neutral zone uh, between the blue lines and and that were I saw them get beat a great deal I saw them mishandle pucks I saw them let pucks get out of their zone and then mishandle pucks in the neutral zone and that's something that is key good teams not just playing well in your zone or in the defensive zone but it's in neutral ice where you really have to play well and a lot of the game is dictated there and I just saw the Golden Knights really lacking there last night and in Friday night against Seattle I thought they could pick up their play there a little bit. After the game, another guy that we got a chance to talk to a little bit was Alex Petrangelo. And um, talking to Alex Petrangelo about shoring up the power play, um, or, or you know, sh- sh- or m- m- basically not taking bad penalties and playing better overall. Uh, well, to me, it was obviously the penalty kill wasn't you know, where we wanted it to be. So, it seems like every game right now, it's just something. We just got to find a way to piece everything together. So, uh, a little bit of adversity, but it's okay. We had a lot of success, you know, earlier in the year. So, Jesus um, is a wake-up call. Yeah, and, and, and I think that's what it's going to be. I think it's a wake-up call. I think going on the road is something that, that definitely helps these guys out, and I think that uh, it will help them out, and as we talked about. They go on the road now. Um, next game, of course, uh, they'll be tomorrow night. They don't get much of a time off. They get a break today, and tomorrow at 4 o'clock they'll be playing um, 
in Columbus. They've got six games total in 11 days if you count what they've been going through right now. That is an awful lot of hockey, but I do think getting on the road, kind of giving themselves a curfew, all getting together, talking, camaraderie. You saw the last extended road trip of five games. They won every single game. I don't know that they'll come out of this one unscathed, but I think this is really, really good for them. Spence, let's move on, man, because I've been waiting uh, waiting to talk about this, and i looking forward to your guys' opinions, so go ahead and hit fact this. Facts this. If you don't like the facts, take your ass back to bed. Fact this. Yeah, it is a fact. After losing six games in a row, the UNLV Rebel football team ended their losing streak by winning their fifth and final game of the season yesterday, beating in-state rival Nevada Reno 27-22. This not only means the cannon will be painted red, but that UNLV is possibly still eligible to make a bowl game. Um, I don't know what to say about this right here, uh, Chris. Um, I watched the game yesterday. I've watched the team this season. I enjoyed the start. I didn't enjoy the lull. I didn't enjoy some of the comments by the coach. I thought that the last home game prior to this one, um, the Fresno State game, I hated the statement that, uh, hey, we were 4-2. and two. Don't forget that. I thought that was very unnecessary. I think everyone there in the media sitting there, if they didn't know that UNLV started the season 4-2, and two, um, they shouldn't be sitting there. They weren't doing their job or they were friends or family or somebody. But everyone in the press conference was very aware of the way UNLV started the season. And um, somebody made a point yesterday, and, and I like the point, during the, during the pregame show, it might have been Willie, um, Willie Ramirez, but he said that you know if we would have said at the beginning of the season... UNLV is going to be playing Reno to win their fifth game of the season. They're going to win that game, and they're going to get the cannon. Would we have considered it a successful season at the beginning of the year? And I think all of us agreed that, yeah, at the very beginning of the season, based on the body of work the last couple of years, for God's sakes, a couple of years ago, they, they didn't win a game during the pandemic. We washed that season out. But I would have said five wins this season. We all would have said at the beginning of the year that would help Marcus Royal keep his job, take heat off him, especially if the fifth win did come against that school from up north, which it did. It wasn't pretty. They literally hung on to win the game, stopping first and goal at the three-yard line. Luckily, Reno had no timeouts, and they really couldn't afford to run the ball. So that helped out Vegas a lot because Reno was running the ball really well. Their star running back had a great, you know, had a really good game for Reno. But again, uh, this was a game they hung on. They got the cannon. I know that means a great deal to UNLV. Uh, both both Magnum and Spencer are, uh, are UNLV alum. I know it meant a great deal to them. They both said that after the game. However, I was disenchanted. I like the play of Harrison Bailey. It was nice to see him get in there. I, I, we, we found out at the end of the game the reason we saw Doug Brumfield go out, out right at the beginning. Spencer and I got a chance to see him on the sidelines. I don't know if you got this picture, Spence, but we, we had him on this. We saw, we saw Doug on the sideline. He had a back brace holding his back. He was limping. So we got why he wasn't in the game. But um, surprising again, I don't know what the deception is with Marcus Arroyo. I don't know why when we get the depth chart at the beginning of the game, he has, you know, Doug Brumfield listed as a starter, Cameron Freel listed as number two, and then Harrison Bailey is number three. I don't know who he's trying to fool. I don't know if maybe that was his thought process going in. I even had a chance, which we're going to hear in a second, to interview Harrison Bailey after the game. Um, he wasn't aware of who was second or third. He said he hardly had any reps during the week. I mean, I don't think they expected Dumb Brumfield 
Mayfield to go out in the first series of the game. But um, Harrison Bailey looked looked uh, beyond admirable. He looked good, um, considering he has hardly played all season long. Uh, he definitely understands the offense now, and will there be quarterback competition next year? I don't know. I don't know if Doug Brumfield will seek to play elsewhere because there's no question he is the one uh, um, Power 5 conference material. I do believe that. I do believe there's a fit for him at a Power 5 conference school, and I think he could compete for a starting job. I think Doug Brumfield, if he continues to grow, puts on some weight, develops a few more skills, He'll get a look somewhere at the professional level in the United States, Canada, who knows? But I think he's got the size and the athletic ability to play at the next level. You see Armani Rogers now playing in the NFL as a tight end. So, I mean, things can happen, and this kid's a football player. But yesterday, I didn't love, um, I didn't love the postgame. I didn't love everything I saw about the game. I think the slot machine needs to go. That's my opinion. Spencer, if you've got the tape of that, you can see Spencer and I got a chance to uh, to watch the slot machine um, firsthand. We were standing right there after after an interception, and uh, it was actually pretty cool. You, you had, uh, you know, Jonathan Baldwin picked, picked one off. He was in the post-game press conference afterwards, and afterwards, you know, they run over and they do the slot machine thing. And, uh, and, 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 and you know, it was fun to watch. I don't think it's necessary. I think that that's the type of thing you implement when you're on a winning program that's been winning for a decade or so. Then maybe you do something like that to reward them. But I think it's putting it in another school's face almost, and I don't know that that's necessary. I understand it's Las Vegas. I'm, I, I may be making way too much of it. It's just it's something that I think is a. I think right now the focus and the emphasis needs to be on one thing and one thing only, and that is football and winning games. I don't mind celebrating. I think it's part of the game. I think it's exciting. I think fans enjoy that part of the game. But I think you celebrate when you're a team that has a tradition of winning, and you win a lot. I think when you're a team that doesn't win very much and you go nuts about scoring a touchdown or something, it's a bad look. Not that UNLV does that. I just, like I said, I think the slot machine is something that maybe they should bring in at a later point in time. But after, after the game... Uh, we did attend the pet press conference. We did get a chance to hear what Marcus Arroyo said about the season. Uh, for those of you wanting to know whether his job is in trouble or not, I'm going to say no at this point in time. It's not. He beat Reno. For God's sake, they could end up in a bowl game. And if they somehow won a bowl game, I mean, oh, my God. Uh, but I will say this, and I've talked about it several times. I don't believe there's any more excuses for UNLV to not be a winning program, to not be able to put up six wins. I mean, for God's sakes, now let's look at let's look at some facts. Fact: They play at Allegiant Stadium, not just one of the nicest collegiate stadiums in the country, one of the nicest stadiums in the country. That's what you get to play at if you come to UNLV. Fact: They have a thirty million dollar workout facility, practice facility called the Fertitta Center. It is one of the nicest in the country. We will always give Tony Sanchez a credit for getting the Fertittas to, to help invest and get that done. Of course, they played for him at Brother Rice's Sons. and uh, Brother Rice, well, I can't believe I just said that. Bishop Gorman, I'm talking a Michigan reference. But um, the bottom line is, Tony Sanchez got that done and, and that is handed to Marcus Arroyo to help to use recruit. On top of that, something that I, I gotta be honest, I learned yesterday, I should have known about this. Willie, thank you, Willie Ramirez, for enlightening us. But the reason that UNLV might go to a bowl game with a 5-7 and seven record is because of the APR, their GPA. They have a very high GPA as far as football, the football team goes. 
graduating students, and that is a reason they might get a look over even some Power 5 conference teams that have five wins. That's a little surprising to me from a viewer's standpoint. I would much rather see the worst Power 5 conference team play in a bowl game than UNLV. I'm not going to lie. But understanding that that is the reason they would get to awarded an opportunity to play in a bowl game is because of their cumulative team GPA. That's pretty exciting. That's pretty cool. And I think that's a fair way to do it, uh, regardless of the, 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 how good the team is. But again, what that says, that adds to me another tool in the toolkit of Marcus Arroyo to be able to recruit athletes. The stadium, the practice facility, and the fact to go to parents and say, hey, you know why we played in a bowl game last year at 5-7 if, in fact, this comes to fruition? Because our GPA is among the higher in Division One football. And so we got rewarded by being able to go to go. All those three things, if you can't recruit with that in your toolkit, on top of the fact it's Las Vegas, and now you've got the f- football facility a lot closer to campus than Sam Boyd Stadium was, uh, there's no more excuses. All of that being said... Now we got to talk about what lies ahead. And Spencer, I'll bring you in here. Oh, he can't bring Spencer in. What about this mic? No, none? No, no. Absolutely. Okay, well, well, Kristen, I'll let you talk on this one instead of Spencer today. <laughs> Sorry, man. And that's okay. <laughs> you end up, but, but, but with UNLV, being, you know, pulling the gloves off and being completely fair, do you think this team deserves to go to a bowl game? And, and more importantly, Chris, not from alumni, put away the Homer thing, and, and you're pretty good with this, but... Do you want to see them play in a bowl game? Well, Would you want to see them if you weren't an alumni? I, I listen. I don't. I, I don't care if uh, you know if if they go to a bowl game. Like if I'm not connected to the school, like I don't watch half of these bowl games anyway. Because to me, and, and I said it yesterday on the pregame show, I think there's far too many. The fact that we're at, at and this is according to Brett McMurphy. Uh, you know, great follow on Twitter if you're a college football fan. The guy has a lot of insight into into the inner workings of, of the sport. But there's 82 bowl spots. 82. Too many. Which means there's 41 Way bowl games. too many. Right now, you have 79 teams that are eligible. So according to his tweet, and, and this is depending on a, a few things, but as of now, UNLV would be one of those teams to fill in because they, as you mentioned, the APR, the academics at UNLV, phenomenal. Yep. Compared to better, better than Vanderbilt. Which is surprising. Which is a school that's probably only in the SEC because of academics. Well, it's funny because Vegas itself, because of the high schools, ranked like 49th in yeah, the but, country. But, I mean, UNLV does, does a level. good job. You know, the the, 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 the people, academic advisors, the, 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 the tutors, they are on top. And, and that's, that's, a, that's a feather in the cap of Marcus Arroyo and all the, other, say, and all and the, the other coaches on, on campus, going back to Tony Sanchez. But... As as a as a fan, I don't want to see a five and seven team in a bowl game. Yeah. I, I I don't want to see a six and six team in a bowl game. I feel the same way. I don't even know if I want to see I don't care what conference you're playing. If you play in the SEC and you're seven and five, you're not an elite team. I'm sorry. <laughs> well with but, that, I no, can no, no, live but, with that. but but as an alum and as a fan at five and seven, put them in a freaking bowl game. Put them in. Because you know what? The the Opportunity for Marcus Arroyo to coach these kids for another two or three weeks to me is is important because if if the season's over you don't get that. No, I, but, I, but if you if you get that bowl game and and it's probably going to be sometime in the middle of December. I saw 
the the Myrtle Beach Bowl, the Bahamas, maybe well, they can hey, end up you know in the Bahamas. What? Hey, that that would be great. But Paloma you know, gets that, to go to the Bahamas. That, maybe they'll have more time there than she had in Hawaii. Uh, yeah, yeah. I was just gonna say, but uh, you know, as as an alum, I, I I'll say this about the game yesterday. I I thought they they came out flat again. It's been a problem all season yep. in the first quarter. You go back to North Texas. You go back to Idaho State. Scored a touchdown in the first quarter. Uh, you know, you can go back the New Mexico game, um, the the game against Fresno, Air Force, all first quarter. Notre Dame, they had two block punts in the first quarter. There was a block punt yesterday in the first quarter. They, if if Reno was a good football team, you know, if he's down probably twenty nothing. Oh yeah, this this you this, know this, so so. I thought they were flat, and and I thought maybe they came out maybe a little overconfident against a really terrible opponent. But as the game went on, the the defense I thought played played really well. They they played bend don't break. Jonathan Baldwin was was absolutely yeah, amazing really yesterday, really and he's the reason they won. Well, and in the fact they were missing Noel Williams, and I talked to the coach yeah, about he's that banged yesterday. Up a little bit, yeah. I asked him about uh, Spence. You have that where I, I did ask the coach about the injuries to Doug Brumfield and also to Noel Williams. Well, so we saw Doug start the game, but he was out after the first series. What happened to him? I saw him on the sideline, and also Noel Williams. I didn't see him in the game at all. Was he okay or? Yeah, well, both of both has got you know Doug's back uh, went out and it really ran um, and a little bit flaring from uh, he had the same thing last year last year a little bit um, so we're we're we got to get on that and see what the diagnosis is uh, particularly with that but his movement was really limited um, it's unfortunate and then um, Noel's another guy's just been limited for from last week but, you know three of those guys in the back end have fought through some injuries here in the last couple of weeks and so um, again it's, it's had some guys step up and, and, and have to close out the deal. You know what I'm going to say about that, and I'm going to leave it at this, but I, I'm, I'm not going to pull any punches. I, I think he's lying. I don't believe Noel Williams. Me and Spencer sat there. Noel Williams is running up and down the sideline following the defense, Spencer. It looked like, and Spencer can't come on, but he's shaking his head yes. It looked like he wanted to get in the game. He had his helmet strapped up. He's, he's basically hugging the defensive coordinator like, put me in the game. I said... I think he's in the doghouse for some reason. Yesterday, when that game got tight, that last series, I would have gone up to him and said, Noel, you're still in the doghouse, but I'm going to let you out for a little while to go to the bathroom because they needed him. And and they got very lucky down the stretch that they did not uh, lose that game. If there's more time or UNR has timeouts and they can run the football first and goal from the three-yard line, I think we're having a different conversation right now. We're not talking about any kind of bowl eligibility for UNLV. But I got a chance after the game. It was the first time we got to see Harrison Bailey play pretty much a full game. Tennessee transfer. Um, the jury was out. The couple times I saw him, it didn't look like he knew the offense. I saw him mishandle some snaps. I didn't know if he was hurt or banged up, but he finally got in. Brunfield went down the first series. Everyone expected, based on the depth chart, for Cameron Field to be the guy to come and replace him. He didn't. It was Harrison Bailey, and after the game, we caught up with him uh, right outside the press conference. So maybe not uh, talking with uh, Harrison Bailey, transfer from Tennessee. Maybe not the entire season, but only the addition that but probably ends on a pretty good note for you. Uh, yeah, there's been a lot of ups and downs this year. Um, just what our team started off 4-1, and one, then we just went 5 or 6 in the next. Um, but I'm really glad how we finished as a team. Um, it's never been about me individually. Um, regardless of the time, I'm not fighting for everybody. I'm feel up to feel whatever it takes. Just really great people, people like, people like John O'Neill, great dudes. 
Listen, Probably not. You know, Doug goes down earlier in the season. People didn't know Cameron Friel, of course, freshman of the year last year in the Mountain West Conference. You come over. No one really knows. We find out Doug is going to be the starter, but who's going to end up being the backup? It, it kind of went back and forth with you and Cameron. Today, when Doug goes down early, did you expect to get the call, or did you think it was going to be Cameron? Because on the depth chart, you were listed as third. You know, what's crazy is actually we, me or Cameron didn't get no reps. Like, we... We were like pretty much doing service period because we were down on bodies and people were hurt and stuff like that. So we really just ran their plays to help def to give the defense the best look possible. Um, so going into this, this week, we hadn't repped them plays, you know, me or Cameron, but Doug went down and we all kind of stuck together. We'd come, I'd come off the field after a look and they, they would tell me, you got this, you got this, you know, what was you saying and whatnot. But we all stuck together. We're all a big brotherhood. Talk about this game, man. You come in and really you filled the role and you put up some good numbers. And ultimately, when it's all said and done, regardless of how it played out, you got the win. And this is the rival game. I mean, if you're going to cement the season at the end of the year, this is the way you want to do it, right? Right. Uh, yeah, I would say stats and, stats and all those numbers are cool and all. Like, to me personally, it really wasn't about that. It was really about just getting the win for these guys. And, People have been here five, six years, you know, people like AJ, Elio, and people like that. And plant, I ran up to plant after the game, gave him a giant hug because last game, you know. So um, just for the people like that, this was all really good. You said last game, but maybe not. I mean, isn't it surprising uh, last week why you guys lose that game? It had to be devastating coming back thinking, you know, if we can win these two games that are winnable for us, mm -hmm. we're bowl eligible. Yeah. Then you lose that game and you find out shortly before this one, we might still be bowl eligible if we can come out beating our rival. Mm -hmm. Now you do and it's kind of a waiting game, but how do you feel about all that? Oh, yeah, it's awesome. Like Coach said in the uh, uh, interview that, we all found out that there was a chance nobody said nothing, which is all about our business and how we would a normal week. And uh, we know if we beat our, our rivals, that, that was pretty much our big bowl game, you know. Um, if we get a bowl game, it'd be awesome. Uh, it'd be a big thing. Yeah, and, uh, you know, you can see they're all excited, hopefully, they get a bowl game. And I would imagine if they do get into a bowl game, Doug Brunfield, the way he was banged up, I don't know that a couple weeks are going to fix that back. The knee. I mean, he was walking so gingerly after that game that Harrison Bailey very well might get the nod. So what a big game for him to get action in prior to the bowl game. Uh, but we'll see what happens. Again, uh, there's three teams that will get in probably with an under 500 record. Uh, UNLV has a good shot at getting in to one of those, but there's still some things to be played out, and we'll know within the next week or so whether or not they're in. We'll talk more college football. Real quickly, guys, I got to talk about the U of M game, and I know Spencer, uh, I'll, what I'll say is, you know, U of M Huge win, losing at halftime, missing Blake Corum other than for the first, literally for the first minute of that game. Um, the, it, it's pretty incredible. U of M will now play Purdue for the Big Ten title, but um, they snapped a nine-game losing st a streak at Ohio State. They've won two t twice back-to-back uh, -back against Ohio State for the first time since 1999 and 2000. Um, just unbelievable. But J.J. Uh, McCarthy, I have criticized his passing all season long. He only completed 12 passes, but he did it for 263 yards, three touchdowns. It was all about big plays. Prior to this game, the biggest play J.J. McCarthy had in his career was 42 yards. He threw touchdown passes yesterday of 69, 75, and 45 yards. A pretty damn good game for him. Um, J.J. Stroud didn't really look like himself. He still threw for almost 350 yards and two touchdowns, but also two big interceptions. 
And you also got a chance, if you haven't seen Ohio State or watched them play, just remember uh, Marvin Harrison's kid, Marvin Harrison Jr. In a couple of years, in my opinion, he's going to be one of the best players in the National Football League. He had a 42-yard touchdown reception. Also, he went. He had seven catches for 120 yards. But hell of a game um, for, for, for Michigan. Uh, they are now uh, looking pretty much, I don't think, even if they lost in the Big Ten title game to Purdue, I think they'd still have an inside track of being one of the top four teams. Matter of fact, I think both TCU and Michigan could lose and both still potentially get into the postseason. Georgia for sure could lose the SEC championship game and, or excuse me, the ACC championship game and still get in SEC championship game. Listen, uh, real quickly though, um, Jim Harbaugh after the game, pretty excited about this win. I mean, back-to-back wins over Ohio State. This now cements him as a great coach at University of Michigan because that's all they want is they want you to beat Ohio State. And second time at running a national championship, pretty big for Michigan. And um, that's that's what they did. They, you know, just the hard work, the sweat. I mean, you sweat every other game, um, you know, to get to this game and get to this opportunity. And we were, you know, thankful to be where we were, right where we wanted to be. And uh, and then came down here. The players were all focused and determined to uh, to uh, to win the game. And they did it. They won it. And uh, now, like I said, big uh, Purdue waiting for them in the Big Ten title game. I don't think Michigan will have any problem with the Boilermakers. And uh, they'll be on their way. And I think when it's all said and done, Michigan will end up and wrap it up. I think Georgia will go ahead and win their conference title, although it's not going to be easy. But I think they'll win. And uh, then then uh, it's, it'll, it'll be Michigan. And I I don't think anyone's beaten Georgia, but I think Georgia-Michigan would be a hell of a national championship game. It would be cool if Michigan could get Blake Corum back, though, because Blake Corum, as good as there, there's some really good good uh, players in college football this year, Blake Corum is a poor man's Barry Sanders that could develop into a great running back in the National Football League. Watch this kid run the football. Just as hard-nosed and tough, and it's his stopping and starting abilities as good as I've seen in a long time. Right now, if, if the season ended today, I would have to say that uh, it's pretty easy to me, the four teams. Obviously, Georgia, number one. Ohio State uh, now bumped at number two last week. Michigan will jump up into that slot. TCU wins their game. Uh, they're going to jump up into the number third slot. And with USC's win over Notre Dame yesterday, I, I think USC is now on the inside looking out and I think the team on the out the, the teams on the outside looking in believe it or not Alabama even with their two losses they don't play another game uh, just because of their tenure Alabama and their history getting to this getting to the national playoffs I think they've got a good shot and the other team would be Ohio State they don't have another game on their schedule only with that one loss really really good team they're a team that could end up slipping in to the the top 4 depending on what happens I'm going to enjoy it when they finally expand the playoff uh, to I think eight or more teams. I, I just think it needs to be that way. Give one underdog team a chance and let a few more teams in. But um, I think you're going to see a really good postseason. And I and I really believe I can't believe I'm saying it, but I think U of M is going to play in the national championship game against the Georgia Bulldogs. And I think uh, I think Georgia wins another national title. I think that they're that good again this year. They've got the senior laden quarterback, and they are so good. They probably got seven NFL starters on that roster right now. Looking at next year, that's how good. The Georgia Bulldogs are Kirby Smart's going, got it going on down there. Let's switch over, guys. Let's get to the bones. Uh, we've got the Raiders. Raiders get off the snide last week. Uh, we were pretty hard.
harsh on the Raiders, pretty harsh on Mark Davis, although I still think I agree with Stephen A. Smith's rant that we played last week. The dumbest quote, one of the dumbest quotes I've ever heard in owner state. Again, you had a playoff team last year. You uh, won your last four games to get to the playoffs under interim head coach Rich Passaccia. And now uh, you go out and you get Josh McDaniels, give him another stint in the NFL, and the whole deal was to take this team to the next level, and yet they have gone backwards. I don't know how many combinations of offensive line they've tried to make work. It's not working. The defensive secondary, Spencer talked about it at the beginning of this year, has absolutely been depleted and and, and been diminished from what, what it was before. And um, honestly, the, the pass rush, Chandler Jones just is not – materialized into the guy we thought he would be on the other side of Max Crosby. Max is not having a bad year, but if Chandler Jones steps up and plays the way everyone expected him to play, Max Crosby's probably having a monumental year, but um, it it just hasn't been. Uh, Denzel Perryman's been hurt, and really last year he came into his own coming over from Carolina. This is a Raiders team that to me is in trouble. Yes, they won in Denver last week. That says nothing to me. They go to Seattle this week. The weather's going to be a little bit foul up there. And Seattle, one of the surprise teams in the National Football League. Geno Smith getting another opportunity. Everyone thought this was a stopgap year for Seattle. And yet here they are right in the midst of the playoff picture, past the midway point of the season. Got to give them all kinds of credit. And I think that the Raiders uh, take one on the chin today in Seattle and go down. I think it'll be a close game. I think they'll play well. But I just don't think so. You know, I got a chance on Thursday night after Thanksgiving to uh, be on the Ben Baller show. Bernie Fratto guest hosted it. and we, We talked a lot about that. And I'll answer some questions right now that I get asked quite a bit. For people that know what I do, we attend all the Raiders games and and uh, you know follow the NFL as much as anybody. And I will say this right now: Will Derek Carr be the quarterback of the Las Vegas Raiders next season? Answer simply no. They save almost forty million dollars if they let him go by mid February. He's got an out clause. They need to save this money right now, make things happen. Derek Carr, I don't think is the answer. I think next year they get a stopgap quarterback or maybe reach out if they can get one in the draft. There's some great quarterbacks coming up in the draft this year. Some really good ones, as good as we've seen. You've got you know, you got young in Alabama, CJ Stroud, you got the kid in Kentucky, the kid in the the kid at USC might even win the Heisman Trophy. I mean, you've got some good quarterbacks coming out of college this year, and the Raiders have a chance to make some moves to get one. I don't see Derek Carr here. As far as Josh McDaniel goes, people, you have to be smart. Understand. Al Davis is, it, it sounds weird to say this, but he is one of the poorest owners in the National Football League monetarily. He's not, he's not mega wealthy like some of the other owners. He's not a Bob Kraft. I mean, that's not who he is. So he doesn't have the money to finish paying off the Gruden deal, pay off Josh McDaniel, and then a new coach. It's not going to happen. They brought Dave Ziegler and, Mark, and uh, Josh McDaniel over as a package deal. They're going to stay a package deal. They will be in Intact, my my opinion, and probably very strong, all of next year and possibly even into the 2024 season. I think the leash would be very short if he got there and they didn't have a successful year last year, but 
based on money alone, Josh McDaniel is going to be here, get used to it, and accept it. The guy not to worry about, I don't think Devontae Adams and the money they paid him, everything makes sense for him to stay other than the fact he came to play with Derek Carr. That probably isn't going to happen, but I think Devontae Adams will stay. Um, Hunter Renfro makes perfect sense. I know he's a free agent, but he makes perfect sense with his salary to stay. The guy we're going to see move, they tried to move him for the trading deadline, is Darren Waller. Darren Waller, a guy that came into his own, everyone was so excited about him. The last couple years has been disappointing. This year he's been hurt the entire season and is not helping this team. And I think they see that I think they see in Foster Moreau that this guy can develop into a tight end that can be solid. So all that being said, McDaniel's here, Carr will be gone. Adams will be here. Waller gone. Renfro here. That's what I see. That's my opinion. Raiders lose today by seven in Seattle. That is also my opinion. And uh, really quickly talking about the game of the day today. Not a lot of games that I'm loving on the schedule, but the best game is going to come up, and it is going to be um, an early game today that you probably want to check out if you're watching, looking at the NFL season. And I'm going to say my game of the day that that I'm looking the most forward to seeing is... Um, and you know what? This this came up something different. Uh, I think uh, uh, the Bengals today, they play Tennessee at Tennessee. That is going to be a good game. We're seeing Cincinnati get into the form we saw them in last year when they made a run to the Super Bowl. Joe Burrow, Jamar Chase, this is a very good team. Not a great offensive line, not the best defense, but a team that's capable of making a run. And hey, Tennessee was the best team in the AFC last year. They looked lousy in the playoffs. Cincinnati made mincemeat of them, getting to, uh, you know, getting to Tannehill the entire game. But Tennessee's not a bad team. They've got seven wins. They're a force breaker, and that's my game of the day today. Let's move on. I know it's that time we're running low, so let's jump right in to uh, uh, Week 12 with the Scooper. I know he's on the show right now. And, uh, Scooper, you were perfect last week. Uh, you got your pick. You got your parlay. You did everything right. Let's see if we can have a repeat and win some people some money out there. Give me your pick and parlay. Yes, sir. Let's try to keep it going. Uh, today we're going to go to a little creative place. You know, like you said, not the best slate. We're going to go with the uh, Washington Commanders with a first-half money line play. Um, it's the only play I've made so far on the board, so that's all I can give out. This is a game where Atlanta's going to um, be leaning on the running game. This going to be a weather game today, a little bit of rain, a little bit of wind. This Washington defense gets back their stud today in Chase Young. They can shut the running game down from Atlanta. And um, this, this locker room believes in Taylor Heineke. There's a, there's a shift happening. These weapons are getting healthy. Curtis Samuel, Dotson, they can really move the chains. And um, Atlanta last week loses one of their best interior defensive linemen. That should set Washington up to be able to run the ball a little bit better here. So we're going to go with the Washington Commanders, minus 180 on a first-half money line. And uh, as for the parlay, we're going we're gonna to get creative as well. Miami, big favorite. Washington, minus four. San Francisco, Kansas City. So we're taking four favorites on a money line. 100 pays you a little bit over 110. 500 pays you 642. Okay, so so, get, a, so what's the parlay again? Just so the people so, got it straight out there. The money line, go ahead. So, so the parlay is going to be Miami Dolphins, Washington Commanders, San Francisco 49ers, and the Kansas City Chiefs. All money lines. Yes, sir. You know what they say? We live and die by the money lines. Favorite money lines have to win or you look bad. We love the scooper. We appreciate you. Get out there. You got your bets. I do like the pick of the week. I do like Taylor Heineke. He's one of those guys in Washington that the commanders – 
just are trying to get rid of it. Everyone says, you know, he's not a guy, he's not a starter. They keep moving him out. They bring in Carson Wentz. As soon as they put Heineke back in, all of a sudden Washington is over for four, 500. He, Go he, figure. He, he's a winner. I like him as well. That is the scooper. That is the pick and parlay. Listen, we are just about out of time, about a minute left to go. Um, again, the Raiders uh, kick off uh, this afternoon. 105 is the kickoff time in Seattle. Huge game for the Raiders. They basically can lose one more game, and they'd be out of playoff contention this year, considering they got to still play the Chargers again, the Chiefs again. Seattle today, that's going to be a tough road to haul. Listen, I want to thank everyone on the show. Thank the scooper for his pick and parlay. Of course, thank uh, Spencer the Wiz Ostrovsky for get, making things work out here. Our social media director and my co-host, and Chris Magnum Chapman working the wheels of steel today as always, producing the show. I'm Brian Feldman. We are here same time every Sunday, Fox Sports Radio at 8 o'clock on 98.9 FM, 1340 AM. Again, next week, Chris Wynn sitting in for me. I'll be back in two weeks. I won't be in studio. I'll be on, but Chris Wynn will be here the next two weeks joining Spencer and Magnum on the show. And uh, hey, welcome to December starting next week. We appreciate you. We'll be back. See ya. Bye-bye.